this morning, and uh, welcome to those who are watching online. Uh, today we are going to finally, after two or three months, however long it's been, we're going to finish up our our series on um, on Voices of the Soul. It's been a lengthy series just on our emotional worlds, and uh, today we're going to finish up talking about the inner bully. And uh, I don't know if you had a bully in high school or maybe in elementary school, but I had one in grade four. Anyways, there was a at least I would call him a bully, and uh, he's one of those folks, I mean, you were hanging out with your friends out in the, out in the playground and enjoying yourself, and then when he would come around, everything would go from real fun to no fun at all, and he would, you know, jump in and start, you know, messing up your game or hopscotch or whatever you're playing back in those days, and just took all the fun out of uh, hanging out with our friends, or sometimes you were, you know, eating lunch together, and he'd come up and, you know, start throwing out you know, language about how horrible you were and how amazing he was. And, I mean, bullies, they just take the fun out of everything. And, uh, you know, often bullies are there because, you know, they're hurting people, and hurting people tend to, to hurt people, and bullies are often just, just looking to be loved. But uh, bullies do take a lot out of us. And, and in a sense, we all have an inner bully. We have this, this voice inside sometimes that wants to pull us down, and sometimes that's that our own negative voice, sometimes that's the voice of the enemy. Sometimes the, our voice and the enemy's voice can couple up sometimes. Sometimes it's the echo of a voice from maybe a, a parent or a teacher or a coach or someone who has been influential, who, who really pulled us down or had uh, just didn't have nice things to say. And those echo in our being a lot of times. And it can, be, uh, it can pull us down. And sometimes the, the voice might be, I mean, you're not worthy or... You're not beautiful enough, or you can't do this, or this is too difficult for you, or you're going to fail, or this is going to mess up, or everything is horrible. You know, uh, you know, just just voices that pull you from faith and pull you from from that, that feeling secure in your life. We have a, a variety of those voices. Uh, Dr. Anna said this: it may constantly draw attention to our perceived faults or shortcomings. It may tell us we are stupid, ugly, deeply flawed, and unlovable at our core. It may belittle, belittle our achievements, dismissing them as luck, mistakes, or accidents. It may be contemptuous, arrogant, or hateful. It may badger us for past mistakes or paralyze us with despairing remarks in the present. It is the reason for our regrets, anger, anxiety, guilt, and shame. This this voice that we're not worthy or not, uh, not lovable or God's not really there for us or people don't really see you or, or you know, people don't really care about you or whatever that voice is. Again, that can be our own voice. It can be the voice of the enemy, an echo from voices of folks around us or a combination of those. And, and we know how that can really pull us from living a life of joy and walking in, in, in the Spirit. And really, that's, that's our goal. It's what we want to be. We want to really be walking in, uh, in our spirit-led self. Galatians 5.16 says, Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Where we are walking with the Spirit. And as Galatians 5.25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. As the Spirit is always leading us towards peace and, and life to the full and in the direction of the kingdom. But the bully is always wanting to pull us from that path, uh, that inner voice of criticism, that inner voice of, 
of contempt and of hate and the voice of the enemy. I mean, always wants to pull us from walking with the Spirit. Romans 8, 6 says, the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. You know, just as Jesus says, you know, I've come to give life to the full. It's, it's the enemy who comes in to kill, steal, and destroy. And, and the enemy's voice or our own voice that, that bullies us can really pull our minds and our lives out of, out of life and, 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 and peace. We talked in the series a little bit about the idea of a school bus, where we're going to be driving the school bus, uh, as our spirit-led self, walking with the spirit, listening to the spirit, driving our bus down the road of the spirit, because, I mean, that's the road to life and peace. And in the back of the bus, we have all these, these kids, if you will, all these emotions, good emotions, difficult emotions, but also in the back of the bus, there's a bully or two. And sometimes that bully can get quite loud. And as we're trying to walk out our spirit-led selves, that, that bully can start yelling at us. You're not going to be able to do this, or, you know, everything's going to fall apart, or you're not worthy, or God doesn't have your best interest in mind, or whatever it is. And that bully can get so loud that sometimes that bully, it almost seems like they want to climb on your lap and start driving the bus. And if we really start listening to the voice of the bully, that voice of condemnation, uh, we can start driving that bus in the wrong direction. We can start steering out of faith. We can start steering into fear. We can start steering down a path that God doesn't want us to go down. And that voice can be very saturated and very, very powerful and sometimes very hard to get out of our heads that voice of condemnation. And sometimes uh, it, it reminds me of this scene in Matthew 14 where, where Jesus invites Peter to step out of the boat and to walk on water. And God is constantly uh, you know, ca calling us to step out of our comfort zone sometimes and to, to really walk in faith and to step out and to really love people deeply and to really care about people or whatever he's calling you towards. And, and sometimes we can be walking with the Spirit when we're walking on water and we feel confident and we feel like we, you know, God's in us and this is going to be awesome. <laughs> and then that voice starts to show up. You know, do you realize you're walking on water? Do you realize you could die? Do you realize how scary this is? And it starts to in, uh, flood your mind with fears and, and maybe things that have happened to you in your past or the way your parents treat you. And all of a sudden you're feeling unworthy and feeling that, that, that nobody sees you or that nobody cares about you or whatever it might be and you start to sink. And it says here, but that when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And just as Peter saw the wind and all the things he needed to be scared of, he started to sink. And sometimes it's like us. When we begin to, to really hear that voice of that inner bully, it can really cause us to sink in life and to sink into discouragement and uh, depression. It can, it can pull us from the journey God is calling us towards. It can pull us out of being able to love others and receive others. I mean, the voice of the bully can really, really mess with us. Uh, Dr. Allison Cook said, talking about this inner critic or this inner bully or the, the inner condemner, the voice of our past, the voice of the enemy, says the inner critic goes after your vulnerabilities, your pain, your limitations, your insecurities, and your struggles, and parades them in front of you in a cruel and ultimately unproductive ways. Often, it does so while comparing you to others. And often, the bully will take hurtful things that have happened to you 
and exaggerates them and makes them like their gospel truth for your whole life and takes those moments of hurt and, and says, that's who you are. And you begin to be saturated with this voice. And, you know, I've had to deal with many voices of that inner bully, but one I really had to deal with a number of years ago is the bully would just always say, voices that, Jesse, nobody really cares about you. Nobody really cares about you. And that voice was based on some, some real episodes. And often that voice comes from real scenarios. But that voice, based on a few scenarios, basically says that's you and that's how everybody is. That nobody really cares for you just because a few people didn't. And some of that kind of stemmed through some of the stuff I've talked about in this series. How, you know, I grew up in a home with uh, not a lot of emotion. Our home was very much about working and doing and performing. And, and subtly it kind of got ingrained in me that my value is only by working. My value came by being a machine and doing things, and, and, and therefore, if I wasn't doing or performing or working, then, uh, then I wasn't really valuable. And then even in ministry, that didn't always help, because in ministry, you're, you're often giving and serving, and you kind of push that down again, that people only care about you because you're doing things for other people or helping other people. And, and this began to saturate me years ago, where I just really began to actually believe this, this negative voice that Nobody actually really cares for you. And it was actually Abby, if you remember Abby. It uh, was helpful for many of us, but really helped me through a lot of this by, by seeing that this lie from a few events uh, just really began to saturate everything. And how believing this or even listening to that bully that nobody really cares for you actually became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because what began to happen is when I would talk to somebody, and, you know, they'd say, you know, I'd say, how are you doing? And they're like, okay, and, they'd, and they, they would ask me, how are, you, how are you doing? I might say, you know, just doing okay, and, and then they wouldn't engage with that, and I would just, well, see, nobody really cares about me, and it began to saturate me in, in a sense where it became a self-fulfilling prophecy, because if we talked about it in this series, to develop intimacy, you have to be vulnerable, and when I believed that nobody cared about me, I would not be vulnerable, because I didn't want to be hurt, and so I'd shut down my emotions even more, and that made people even feel more distance. And it really, this idea that nobody cared for me, it became my self-fulfilling prophecy because I naturally was just pulling away from everybody. And I had to learn that you have to risk being vulnerable. And when you risk being vulnerable, there are times, yes, when you're hurt, but there are lots of times when you see that people actually really, really do care for you. And I also had to learn how to receive imperfect love. And a lot of times we have this fantasy of like that, that love's got to be perfect and it's got to be beautiful and it's got to fit you in every way. But I mean, the reality is all of our love is messy. <laughs> and until you actually learn to receive imperfect love from other people, you will always have the sense that, that, you're, that nobody really cares for you or never really loves you because you're looking for a perfect love when most of the time we love each other with this imperfect love. And when you learn to receive imperfect love, it's amazing how you can really begin to feel uh, love deeply. And so that was just one of the, the, the inner bullies that I had to, to deal with. In Matthew 19, there's a story. It says this. Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. And so Jesus is telling his disciples 
that all these religious leaders are, are going to end up killing him. And, and Jesus, you know, was nailed to the cross because of these religious leaders, because of these religious leaders who, you know, had the religious, religious box that Jesus was challenging and that, and that ended up, you know, crucifying Jesus. But, but even though the religious leaders put him there, the, the ultimate plan of God was for Jesus to go to the cross. And because uh, ultimately it's at the cross where the, the curse of Adam is reversed and where forgiveness is found and, and we have peace with God and we receive that relationship that, that we were designed for. And so this was all part of God's plan. And so Jesus is telling his disciples that he's going to die. Now that's kind of God's plan. And of course, Peter uh, has good intentions, but, he, but he, it says Peter took him aside and began to reprimand Jesus. For saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. Perhaps because, you know, those words came from Peter were inspired by the enemy or the enemy was using them in, in, in Jesus' mind. But, but he says, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from gods. Now, Peter had the best intentions. He was trying to protect Jesus from, from dying, but those good intentions were actually robbing from God's purpose and plan. The plan was for Jesus to die. Peter tries to step in to protect him, but it's actually robbing Jesus from the purpose and plan, plan he is on. And this is often what kind of happens in inner mind. Now, that inner bully, like Peter, actually often has good intentions. And when that voice says, you know, you're not beautiful enough, or you're not worthy, or no one really cares about you, that bully often actually has good intentions. And it's really important that you try to recognize that because it's helpful in dealing with that inner bully. For me, when that inner bully said, nobody really cares about you, uh, that voice was actually trying to protect me from hurt. You know, if you just keep yourself away from people, you're not going to be hurt. Uh, you know, you know, you're not worthy of what's coming, that voice might say. Or, you know, maybe your business is being successful and you're moving ahead and, and that voice says you're not worthy of that. And so you want to maybe self-sabotage yourself, which actually happens to a lot of folks in, in business world and in ministry. Uh, it's actually trying to protect you from maybe the chance of failure. And when you see that that inner bully is actually trying to protect you, you can recognize that, but also recognize that it's often coming from a lie or it's actually not helpful in the long run. And so sometimes to actually be able to say to your inner bully, when that voice pops up, I know you have good intentions, but it's actually robbing me from life. I know you have good intentions, but it's actually not being my spirit-led self. And to be able to talk that inner bully down. And it's really important that you actually see that that's often based on a lie uh, what that, that, that inner uh, bully is saying. And, and in many ways, it, inner, that inner bully is like an autoimmune immune disease. And a lot of folks have autoimmune diseases these days, which is basically when your immune system you know, was designed to attack disease and, and bad things in your body. It's when your good immune system actually turns on your own self and begins to attack good cells in your body. And this is like that inner bully. The inner bully has good intentions, wants to protect you, but actually is hurting you. And so Peter, in our story, I mean, he has these good intentions to protect Jesus, but it was actually the wrong path, steering the bus away from, from the spirit-led self. And then we see Jesus 
look at Peter and say, get behind me, Satan. Uh, Peter, uh, Jesus uses very strong language. He's not entertaining this, this, this voice that's going to pull him off track. And the same with us, it is helpful to use strong language sometimes with our inner bully. You know, I know you have good intentions, but that's just not the full truth. I know you have good intentions, but that's not helping me right now. I know you have good intentions, but this is not going to help me go down God's path and to, and to shut down that voice. And the Bible tells us to do such things. Like in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That we can't really afford to have a thought about our current situation that God's not thinking. And if we start thinking someone else, something else, because the inner bully brought it up, well, we need to take that thought captive and tie it up and, and listen to God's truth. We can't afford to think about other people in a way that God's not thinking. And if we start to think in a way that God's not thinking, we need to tie up that thought and take it captive and say, you know, as Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, and to live what God is saying, to take those thoughts captive. Or Romans 8 says, those who live according to the flesh, or we could even say according to the voice of the inner bully, have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Again, the Holy Spirit's always leading us towards the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, all those really things that make for, for beautiful relationships in this world and, and allows us to love deeply. And again, the, the bully is always trying to pull us away from those things because of past hurts. And to recognize that, inner bully... <laughs> You're not being helpful. This is not going to help me live a life of love. Get behind me and to tie up that, that inner bully. And one way you can look at this is by looking at what science has taught us about the brain. And um, the reality is that we can actually change the way the inner bully has control over our lives. Um, because sometimes that voice of the inner bully can be so strong that it just saturates us and we feel super stuck. I mean, I've talked to people who, whenever they, you know, try to reach out and make a friend, and they start talking with that friend, that inner bully begins to just crowd their mind with, you know, you're not good enough to have a good friend, and that person's really not going to love you, and, and, and they just begin to pull away and self-sabotage that relationship because the, the voice of that inner bully is so, so loud. Um, that, that sometimes we think, I'm never going to change. That it's always just going to be this way. And, and, and sometimes, God will perform a miracle. I mean, it's amazing. I've talked to folks who, whose mind has been changed in an instant because of prayer, and that is amazing and beautiful, but, but it seems for most folks, <laughs> it's a battle that you need to face, that you have to walk with God through this battle and changing your thinking. And thankfully, neuroscience has actually helped us understand that, that you actually don't have to live being saturated with the voice of the inner bully. You really don't that you really can change your thinking, that, that every day, no matter how old you are, that, that our brain actually makes new brain cells that are waiting to be programmed, and you can program them towards the negative bully or towards what God's truth is. And this is quick. It takes time. And the best way to explain it, I think, is, is like going to the gym, where if you went to the gym and you had two weak arms, and, uh, and for like a few months you just tied up this arm, and the only 
arm you worked was this one. You know, every day you worked out this arm, this arm would start to get very, very strong, and your muscle would get bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, you'd have a very strong arm, and you would have one very, very weak arm. And sometimes this arm that we're working all the time is the, inner, the voice of the inner bully. They were always listening to that voice. You're not good enough. You're not beautiful. You're ugly. You're going to fail. Everything in life is bad. Your future is bad. Nothing's going to work out. This business venture is going to fail. Your ministry is going to fail. This idea is going to Your marriage is going to fail. This is all. And we work this. And so this inner bully can be very, very strong. But neuroscience tells us, even the Bible tells us, in taking every thought captive, making it obedient to Christ, is you take that inner bully, like Jesus did, get behind me, Satan, you tie up your strong arm, and you take out your weak arm, and you begin to exercise this arm. And you know what eventually happens? When you exercise God's truth, when you lift weights, this arm starts to get stronger and stronger and stronger, and this arm gets weaker and weaker and weaker. And that's exactly what happens in your brain. <laughs> Neuroscience tells us that when you think in one direction, uh, those neurons wire together and they become stronger and stronger and you just think easily that way. But when you begin to try to stop that kind of thinking and focus on new thinking, God's truth, the truth of the Spirit, that actually becomes stronger and stronger in your mind where you can actually begin to think a whole new way. And so instead of approaching that relationship and thinking you're going to fail immediately, you've developed this muscle knowing that God's going to help you and that deep down you're a loving person and you're a forgiving person. And God's going to do amazing things in this relationship. And you can actually rewire your brain. And sometimes in, in, in counseling, folks talk about you know, the idea of, of holy reframes, where you can actually take the voice of the, the inner bully, the inner critic, and uh, just like God says, where he, he works all things for good. So you can actually take the voice of that inner bully and work it for good. You can say, no, that's actually not the truth. And you put a new frame around it, like a holy reframe. Where I can't take the pain becomes I am stronger than I think. Or I'm not important becomes it matters that I'm here. Or I'll never be as good as other people becomes no one can take my place. No one loves me because becomes I am God's dearly loved child. My life has no purpose becomes, how can I serve today? And I just want to finish up here by looking at some of the common inner bullies that we face. And again, just the idea that there's always going to be some lie behind it. And again, it's really important to understand the lie behind it because, you know, some people, you know, will try to work the truth into their life. But if they're still believing the lie, it doesn't matter how much truth they work in, that lie is still there. Do you actually begin to acknowledge this really isn't true and this really isn't helpful? And so there's um, like the perfection bully, which sometimes whispers, whispers to us, you better do this right or else people will be disappointed. Or it's only when you have it all together that people love you. And to learn to tie that up and to not exercise that anymore, not listen to that and start to exercise God's truth, to exercise the identity he has given you, to exercise who you are in Christ, and to maybe start repeating things like this, you know, I do not have to be perfect to be safe or loved in the present. Or it's totally okay to make mistakes. Mistakes do not make me a, stake, a mistake. And so when there's like, you got to do everything perfect in order for people to love you, and you're just like, no, you get behind me, I'm going to tie you up. Actually, I can't I can make mistakes. That doesn't make me a mistake. 
Mistakes are a normal part of my life. And Matt, even if I make mistakes, people are going to still love me. Even if I make mistakes, God's going to continue to love me. And you start working out the right muscle. Or the black and white bully. You know, where everything's just black or white, good or bad. There's no in between. <laughs> you know, this will never work out. Or nobody cares about me. Like over-exaggeration. The truth is, in Christ... And in who we are as a person, a few negative events does not mean that you're stuck in a never-ending pattern of defeat. <laughs> I mean, all of us has ne- negative things happen to us, and maybe our relationships or our, our career doesn't work out the way we want. It doesn't mean that everything is going to be bad in the future. Or the self-hate, self-disgust bully. You know, I'm such a horrible person, or I have so many issues, I'm hopeless. But the truth is, in Christ, God loves me. And I am his dearly loved child, fully valued and accepted, forgiven and loved, and I refuse to trash myself. I mean, that's the the muscle that needs to be worked and the way to rewire our brain so that our brain and our mind begin to think more like Christ and more like the kingdom so we can keep that bus going down that kingdom road. There's the, the micromanaging, worrying, obsessing bully. Where it says, I need to have every detail worked out completely before I even take a step. (laughs) Or I need to make my future perfectly safe before I can move ahead. That's not true. God's bigger than that. And to start focusing on the idea that I'm not going to jump to negative conclusions. I, I cannot make the future perfectly safe. I will stop hunting for what could go wrong. I will not micromanage myself or others. Or this truth we, we learn in Proverbs 3, that I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding, that I can't make my future work out the way I hope. I can only worry about today as Jesus did and to, and to put away that, that micromanaging bully. And there's the unfair comparison bully. You know, they are so much better at everything that I am. Well, they look like they have it all together. You know, why can't I get it all together? We begin to live in who you are in Christ and out of your identity. I mean, you can start saying things like, I refuse to compare myself unfavorably to others. I will not compare my insides to their outsides. And that's often the problem. As we know our insides, we know all the junk we're dealing with, and we look at everybody else, and we only see their outsides, and we compare our insides to their outsides, and and the bully's like, look, see, what a horrible person you are. It's like, no, I'm not going to compare my insides to their outsides because I don't know what their insides are like. And I'll not compare my worst moments to their most perfect moments. And it's why, you know, they have now found out that social media can actually make us more depressed because we're there with our worst moments. We understand ourselves and we go on social media and we see everybody's perfect moments. And, and that's just not helpful. I will not compare my worst moments to their most perfect moments. And then there's the, the overproductive, workaholic, busy bully. Right? <laughs> I know this one. Now, people only care for me when I'm producing and performing or I only feel good about myself when I am busy. You know, this is an issue when you get your list done, you're like, that was the best day ever. And when you fail your list, like, I am the worst person in the world, and I can barely, I don't know how I'm going to even survive. I mean, it shows you that you got this, this bully active in your life. But the reality is, I, we're a human beings, not human doings. I am more productive in the long run when I balance work with play and relaxation. The reality, Jesus invites you into rest. And the only way to actually conquer this bully is to actually learn to actually feel loved when you're not doing anything. That can be really hard. 
It's easy to feel loved when we're performing and doing our list and, yeah, I'm the top of the world, but to actually learn that you're perfectly and absolutely loved even when you're doing nothing is a big truth that we need to exercise in our world. And Jesus invites us into that. And there's the, the catastrophizing bully. This will never work out. Look at everything that could go wrong. It's just seeing all the problems in the future, every mistake that's going to happen. Nothing's going to work out, and it's all going to blow up. The, you know, my whole life is going to be 2020. You know, the reality is we shouldn't blow things out of proportion. I, I refuse to scare myself with thoughts and pictures of things I cannot control. You cannot control the future. You cannot control other people. And when you begin to to lay that down, begin to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding but to acknowledge him. I mean, it frees you from that bully. So again, whatever that bully is, that bully's got to be tied up and to exercise the truth of who you are in God. Or lastly, the negative bully. You know, everything in life sucks. There is no good in me or around me. It's just like seeing everything through negativity. It's just everything is horrible, bad. <laughs> There's nothing good. But, I mean, I renounce over noticing and dwelling on what might be wrong with me or my life or around me. I will not minimize or discount my giftings and abilities. And the reality is God says you are his masterpiece. And the reality, even in the worst moments, you can find things to be thankful for. And as we say here, even like when we take communion on the night that Jesus was betrayed, the cross was coming. He was going to be betrayed, but he gave thanks. And to tie up that negative bully and start exercising things that you can be thankful for. To tie up that negative bully and start looking for things that are actually good in your life and your giftings and your abilities and your uniqueness in your life. And the reality is we are God's masterpiece. The reality is the Spirit of God dwells in us. The reality is there's nothing that will be able to separate you from the love of God. The reality is God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So, Father, we thank you. You're for us and you have life and peace in your desire for us. God, that you desire to have us flow in the fruit of the Spirit, in love and joy and peace and patience and goodness. And so, God, we, at this moment, just bind that negative bully. And, God, we just make a choice that we're not going to entertain the voice of the negative bully. And we want to exercise the truth that you give us. So, Father, would you just bring to mind in this moment just a voice from that negative bully that seems to be common in our lives? What, What... voice from that negative bully seems to be common in my life. God, what is the lie behind what that bully is saying? What is the lie behind that voice?
And God, right now, we give you that lie. We hand it over to you. We don't want it anymore. And I know you don't want us to have it anymore as well. We hand it over to you. And God, we ask in its place, what truth do you want us to receive in in the place of that lie? What truth do you want me to receive in the place of that lie? What is the truth about me? Take a moment to seal that in your own prayer with the